The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Welcome. Happy New Year. I love Christmas. I love this time of year, but I am so glad that we can get back into the routine of things because I thrive in routine. I thrive in structure. And the last several weeks have just been crazy. I feel like I haven't had a normal week since Thanksgiving. I mean, it's been that crazy for that amount of time. I'm sure some of you feel the same way. I'm ready to get home today after church. We're taking down Christmas and I'm ready for it. I love the tree. I love all that, but I am ready to get rid of it, man. I have just want things back to normal. I know you kids are back in school. Most of y'all start tomorrow, have started, but some are starting tomorrow. So you're getting back into normal. So here we go. We're just locking in. I'm excited about that. And um, last week, um, we kicked off that. That was an interesting weekend last week. New Year's morning. Um, we didn't have an 8.30 service because we're, we know, okay? Um, but it was, it was fun because we kind of set some, some hopes and dreams and expectations for 2017. So if you missed last, last week, you can go back and listen to that. But I want to kind of kick off and jumpstart what we did because here's the reality. Every one of us, whether we like to admit it or not, have some type of resolution, I mean, we, we may not publicly declare it, or some of y'all type A's, you have the list of things you want to do. Um, those of us who are not, we're just like, I just want to see what happens. Um, and so you've got something you want to accomplish in 2017. And, and one of those things, you're here because you probably have somewhere in that list or in your mind, I would like to grow closer to God. And, and that just doesn't happen accidentally. I mean, we just don't accidentally grow in our spiritual walk. We don't grow closer to God accidentally. It takes intention. It takes purpose. And, and honestly, it takes work. I mean, good relationships take work. If you're married, you understand exactly what I'm saying. I did a wedding yesterday, and we're standing at the altar, and I'm telling them how much work a marriage takes. And they look at you like, yeah, not for us. No, but <laughs> really. Um, but we just get along so wonderfully you will for about the next 35 days. And then life hits. But, um, so I, I love that. But it takes great work um, in relationships. And so um, in order for us to draw closer to God, we have to be disciplined in it. There has to be a, a discipling that happens in our life. And when Jesus called the early disciples, when you go back into the gospels, he went up to these men and he said, come and follow me. And, and he didn't go pick these men because of their pedigree. He didn't pick them because of their education. He didn't pick them because they were the best of the best. He picked them because he had a desire to do something in their life and then ultimately do something through their life. And when he called these men, he said, come and follow me. They became his disciples. See, when, when you and I put our faith in Jesus then we become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And we're called to pursue him. We're called to follow him. And we're called to let our life reflect his goodness and his glory. And the the interesting thing with the disciples Jesus called is, man, they, they were all over the page. But they saw Jesus do things as the son of God. And eventually, after three years of walking with him in ministry, they saw Jesus hang on a cross They saw him die for the sins of the world, and they thought it was over, but they saw him after the resurrection. They saw him as he ascended into heaven, and then those disciples assembled in the upper room. The power of the Holy Spirit comes, and they go out, and the world gets turned upside down, and that's because Jesus had spent time doing stuff in them, 
so he could do stuff through them. And it took them following him and pursuing him and drawing closer to him to understand who he is. And that's what you and I are called to, that when we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord, our Savior, the crucified and resurrected King, then we're called to pursue and follow. And there's some disciplines that should be exhibited in the life of a Christ follower to show that, hey, there is something different about us. This is not a religion. I mean, if you get religion, you're going to check the rules. Some of y'all may be here because you want to be more religious this year. And if, if that's the case, we want to help you get more relational this year. So it's not just about checking off the list, but we want you to experience the goodness of God in a relationship with him. We want you to experience the goodness of God even in relationships with other people that you go to church with. I mean, that's why we launched all of these community groups. There's value in us getting together so we don't just check off lists and get into religious mindset. We experience the fullness and the benefit of a relationship and a redeemed relationship. And these disciplines are really at the structure and foundation of our life in Christ and what we do. Um, one, of, one I want to talk to you about today is fasting. And fasting is one that not, not a lot of Christians do. And it, it's kind of one of those things, there's some unknowns. They're like, well, I don't know how do I do it? What do I do? What do I fast? What does all that mean anyway? So if you got your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to talk about fasting this morning and, and all of the fun things about fasting. I mean, here's the reality. We as a church, and I'm inviting you on this journey with us, are starting tomorrow a 21-day fast. Now, that's not 21 days without food, because those of you who know me know that ain't happening. I mean, I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, body, strength, everything, and, and, and then I love food as my neighbor. <laughs> you know, So I, I'm sorry, I just cannot give up. I can't go 21 days without food. And y'all don't want me to, because I get grungry. I mean, I get, some of y'all call it hangry. It's the same definition in the Greek, okay? Um, but I get grumpy, hungry, and, and I mean, last night, Heather and I were trying to figure out food, and I'm on the verge of that grungriness, and I'm just finally just like, I don't care. I don't care where we go. You pick it. I'll pay for it. I don't care. Let's just do something. I need food, and, and plus, I'm like a bear before hibernation. I know the fast is starting tomorrow, so I'm thinking, what do I want before the fast starts, right? So I'm like, meat, 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 give me meat. I mean, because on this fast... Heather and I are doing, it's the Daniel fast. And so that's a limited diet, so there's no meat on it. Now, I'm a carnivore through and through, but I'm willing to give it up for 21 days for Jesus. But last night, I was like, how can I get all the meat I can get because I know what's coming. So I'm, I've got a meat hangover today. So if I say something stupid, just, just bear with me, okay? Um, it's, it's all that meat talking. Anyway, but fasting, is, it's a difficult discipline, but it is a discipline of faith. And, and our bodies, our physical bodies get hungry. I mean, we go through a cycle. I mean, I, ate, I, I just handled up on food last night, but I woke up this morning, I was hungry. So I, I was feeling guilty about what I ate last night, so I did a protein shake for breakfast. Right now, I'm hungry, okay? And I got one, the next service, I'm sorry, they're going to get yelled at like crazy. So you better be glad you came to this one. But um, but our bodies go through this cycle. We just get hungry. We eat. We get hungry. And then Heather asks me this question too often, I think. She's like, I'll, I'll be eating. And she'll go, are you hungry? <laughs> well, if you want to like psychologically break this down, no. But I just want to eat. And I don't know if I'm, I know I'm not the only one that does that. Somebody, why are you eating? I don't know. 
I mean, I'll eat because I'm bored. I'm a stress eater. I'll confess that to you. When I get stressed, food is something that I tend to go to. And, and so I've got these physical appetites. But what I want to ask you this morning is, are you hungry for the things of God? I mean, do, do you really desire the things of God? Jesus said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So do you have a hunger for the things of God? Or are you just trying to check off the list? I mean, maybe, you're, maybe the cycle of religiosity that you're in is that you've got to check off the list so God will like you or God will have favor on you or whatever something might be going on in there. But the reality is, do you truly have a desire to draw into the heart of God? If you do, there's disciplines. And if you have that desire, Jesus makes that promise that if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're going to be filled. You're going to let your, your spirit is going to be fed. And, and so Jesus has some words to say about fasting in this Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter six, verse 16 um, says this, and when you fast, do not look gloomy. Now understand this, when you fast. He's not saying if you fast. Jesus is he's laying an expectation there that as a Christ follower, as people who are faithful and obedient, then we fast. He says, not if you fast, but when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So he's saying there's some type of reward that happens from this fasting. And and if we go like the hypocrites, and he's dealing with some religious people in the crowd when Jesus is teaching. Anytime you open the Bible, anytime you talk about Jesus, there's gonna be religious people in the crowd. What I hope is that every time we gather as a church, the religious people start, that starts breaking down a little bit and you start letting the the grace of God start to wash some of that religion off to where that relationship becomes what is vital, what is central and what is core to your life. It's not just about checking off the rules. Hey, I fasted. There were were, uh, sections of Pharisees that would fast two days a week. But what he's saying is that that's fine. See, you get into an issue of law versus grace. It's kind of like giving in church. You know, there, there are people that say, well, the law says, the Old Testament says that you're to give 10%, and Jesus affirms that. But, but what grace does is it, it changes that. It fulfills the law and says it's a heart issue. Well, what Paul writes to the church in Corinthians says, look, don't give out of compulsion, but give what God has set in your heart. And be cheerful in that. Let grace change how you give. With fasting, it's not a condition of the stomach. It's a condition of the heart. And he says, when you fast, don't walk around looking like like everything's just, that you're suffering for Jesus because you're not feeding yourself. He says, if you do, people are gonna look at you and feel sorry for you and go, oh, well, you're doing that for Jesus. That's just good for you. And Jesus is like, you just got your reward. You just got the sympathy of people because you're on this little hunger strike. But he says, you are to anoint your head. Let the spirit of God be on you. Wash your face, man, clean up. And realize that what your father sees in secret, he will reward you. So, so what, 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 what does this mean, these rewards? Let me, let me kind of back up. 
let me kind of set some parameters around fasting. There's different kinds of fast in, in, the, in the scriptures. I mean, Old Testament and New Testament both speak of fasting and give us information. There's a short-term fast, and what you'll see is that there are times when the nation of Israel would call a fast from sunup to sundown, or for this, the rest of this day, we're going to fast, or there were short-term fasts. There were long-term fasts, and the Bible talks about these long-term fasts being 40 days. Moses and Jesus did a 40-day fast. And that 40-day fast was a complete fast, which is a third type, that they had no food. I mean, when, when you look in the book of Exodus, I put some, some references in your note sheets today, but in the book of Exodus, while Moses is writing the law, he ate nothing for 40 days. When Jesus, before he even gave this Sermon on the Mount, greatest message the world has ever heard that, that is coming from the Son of God, before that, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus fasted for 40 days before he went into the desert to be tempted. I love what the King James says uh, when you read that. It says he had fasted 40 days and he was hungered. I think that's where it translates hangry or grungry. He knows fasting. Now, now, I love Jesus with all my heart, but there's no way I can go 40 days. Y'all don't want that. Nobody wants that. Heather, she'd leave me. Or, or she'd like, she'd be a stumbling block. She'd be like, you're going to eat now. So 40 days. And then there's a partial fast. Partial fast we see in the book of Daniel, where Daniel restricts his diet for three weeks. Now, Heather and I have decided and prayed through we're doing the Daniel fast. If you want to join us, I would love that. You know, or I hope that you begin to pray about what fasting looks like for you, but it's not an if, it's a I hope you do this. So what does fasting do? When, when Jesus talks about this reward, what, what happens with this? What are these, what are the, what is he talking about? One of the things, it's really what fasting does for us, does in us, does through us. One of the things fasting does is it disciplines our body. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. I have a hard time keeping this body under control. That's one of the things I love and hate about Christmas time. I love it because all of the food and I have more freedom to eat what I want. I hate it because of all the food and I have more freedom to eat what I want. And I've got to discipline this body. What, I've learned, what I learned at Christmas, I cannot outwork in the gym a bad diet. So I've got to discipline my body. And Paul's saying, I discipline my body so that after I preach to you, I myself aren't disqualified. I mean, I can get up here and talk to you about the sin of gluttony, and yet I, I'm going to go handle it up. You know what I'm saying? And so I've got to discipline my body. And so what fasting does is help bring some discipline into my life and into my structure, into my physical appetite. See, the book of Thessalonians teaches us that our being is three parts. We're a spirit, and that spirit is what is connected with God. Then we've got our soul, and that's our mind, will, and emotions. And then we've got our body, and that's what we see physically here today. I mean, that's, that's what undergoes my massive transformation from Thanksgiving to New Year's because I have no self-control with it. And so we've got these three parts. And so what happens is each part has appetites. I mean, you know, it's like you, you, you've heard things that, you know, men, let me talk to the men for a second. When our wives, when, when women say, I have needs, that's an appetite of the soul, of the mind, will, and emotions. Guys, we do have those needs. 
Ladies, we do. We, we just don't fully understand how to communicate those yet. We're learning, okay? We're growing. We have a body. We have a physical appetite. We have needs physically. Spirit, we have needs spirit. Our spirit has an appetite. I mean, Paul talks about being led by the Spirit. If we're going to be led by the Spirit, we've got to be fed by the Spirit. So we need the Spirit pouring into us. We need that spiritual appetite in our life. And that's where we get to this. The question is, are you hungry? I mean, is your spirit hungry? I mean, is your spirit hunger and thirst? Does it cry out for God? And when we do that, he's faithful to sustain us, to fill us. And so there's this discipline disciplining of the body and these appetites that comes in when we fast. What I'm doing is I'm saying, I'm going to sacrifice some physical appetite so that my spirit can be fed. Fasting also is a way of humbling ourselves before God. Now, when I get hungry, grumpy, grungry, hangry, whatever word you use in your home. You've got some word for it. Some of y'all might not be able to say it in church, but when I get that way, I can tend to say some stupid things. And then, you know, and typically that's to my family, and then I have to go and apologize and repent, and so then I feel guilty. So maybe I started thinking, well, maybe that's the humility that I experience. So I started praying, God, instead of letting me get into that situation and say something stupid and I regret something, help me to pregret. Like, help me to think about how I'm going to feel before. But it's, it's this humbling that we do before God to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm humbling myself before you. And, and, and repentance also accompanies this form of humbling. And in the Old Testament, there was a king named Ahab. And Ahab was not a good king. He was an evil king. And, and God uses the prophet Elijah to come to Ahab and declare his judgment on Ahab. He's like, you're going to be toast when I'm done with you. I mean, I, my anger, my wrath, and my judgment is going to burn against you, Ahab. And what, what we're told in 1 Kings 21 is when Ahab heard these words, when he heard what Elijah had said, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth. That's a sign of repentance. So he tears his clothes, puts on sackcloth, and went out, and then he said that he fasted. Okay, so he fasted. He's like, I'm humbling myself before you, God. I'm, I'm putting myself in a posture of repentance, and I'm humbling myself before you, and I'm fasting before you. And I love God's response to this, this fast and this humility. God says to Elijah, he says, have you seen how he humbled himself? I mean, because he has humbled himself before me, I'm not gonna destroy him. But in his son's days, I'll bring disaster on his house. But because he has humbled himself, my mercy is going to be poured out on him. I'm going to give him grace. Here's the reality. Every one of us are deserving of the wrath of God and the punishment of God. But because of his grace, when we humble ourselves to him in repentance, he's faithful and he forgives us and he restores us, and he lets that grace wash us in our life. Our humbling, fasting humbles us because we're saying, God, I'm asking you to feed me. I'm asking you to pour into me. I'm asking you to give me your sustenance. <coughs> and so there's something that happens in this. And also the humility, Jesus speaks of us. 
of it. Don't be prideful. Don't walk around going, I'm fasting. Oh, it's just rough. You're going to get your reward if that's the case. And he says, do it in secret. Now, I, I've asked us as a church to fast together. Now, obviously, we're not going to do, that's not secret, right? But what this means is in the humility, we don't go around making a big deal about it. You know, we don't, you don't go to work tomorrow. Yes, I've started a fast because I'm more spiritual than you. You know, you go to lunch. You're sitting there at lunch. I'm not eating anything because I'm fasting. What are you doing for Jesus? You're going to get some kind of reward after that. <laughs> but there's something that happens when we humble ourselves before God with this, with this fasting. In the, in the book of James, I want, I want to read to you um, what happens in this fasting. Uh, and I think I put it on the screen for you. And I've got to find the book of James in my Bible. Here we go. James chapter 4, um, verse 6. It says this, but he, but God gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I mean, God sets himself against people who are prideful. And he gives grace to those who are humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I think of Jesus in his fast. I mean, he was hungry. He had gone 40 days without food. And the devil shows up and gives these, these temptations. And Jesus is, is dealing with the devil, even in, in a physically weak state. But still, he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy turned to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and get this, he will exalt you. See, when we humble ourselves before God, he lifts us up. When, when we come to him in repentance, then he pours grace on us. So what happens in this humbling that happens through fasting is there's an outpouring of God's grace in our life. And I don't know about you, but I need that grace. I don't need more law in my life. I don't need any more thou shalt not. I need grace to transform me. Because here's the reality. Most people who claim to be Christians are still finding themselves bound up in something. We, we deal with a bondage in area. We don't have full freedom in all areas of our life. And if we're going to be able to break some of these chains, it takes the grace of God to free us. I can't do it on my own. And we need the grace of God to be at work in our life. The other thing that <coughs> fasting does is it prepares our heart. It prepares our heart. I'm fully convinced that most Christians don't receive the best that God wants for our life because of a heart condition. And when, when I say fast, we don't fast to get something from God. We fast to align our hearts with his heart. I mean, Jesus teaches fasting in Matthew 6 right after he teaches us how to pray the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a submission and a humility to his will, not my will. And so I've got a lot of plans. I've got a lot of things I'm thinking through for 2017. But what this fast is doing in my family and for us as a staff and for us as a church, it's to say, I want to align my heart, our heart with yours, God, to make sure the plans that we are doing are what you want done. Otherwise, throw them out. I don't want to do what you don't want me to do, God. 
I want to pursue you. I want to draw closer into you. I want your grace to be poured out in my life. And so we begin to prepare our heart for God to move in us and move through us. If we're going to see him do anything in us and through us, we have to have our hearts in alignment with his. We have to have our will submitted to his. I mean, that's through these 21 days, what we're going to do is we're going to be praying. We're going to be intentional about things that we want to hear from God. I'm asking for guidance. I'm praying for wisdom. I'm praying for peace on a lot of the plans that we have as a church. And then we're going to come and we're going to celebrate that. On, on January 29th and 30th, we're going to have two nights of just, of, of just man, just grace and the outpouring of God. And those two nights, I'm gonna, we're going to get together. We're going to worship. We're going to celebrate what God has done through our fast. Because this alignment, I believe God opens our eyes and opens our ears, opens our hearts to pursue more closely and more diligently what he has for us as a church, for you as a family, for me and my family. So we're going to come together and celebrate that. You'll get a lot more information about that. <clears throat> but with some of these things I'm praying for is for God to pour out his plans on us. There's also something that I want to share with you about what fasting does. I mean, when, when we align our hearts with God, there are things that happen. In Acts chapter 13, I, I, want, I want to read this to you. And, and I, I had trouble in the first service, and I may have trouble getting through this because I'm going to read this and then pull the rug out from under you. Acts chapter 13, starting verse 1, says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. See, what happens when we get into fasting and praying, and fasting and praying, when they get connected, there's powerful things that happen. The disciples were having trouble casting a, a demon out one time, and they were asking Jesus, why can't we do this? You've given us your authority. You've given us the ability to resist the enemy. You've given us the ability to say, you must flee in the name of Jesus. Why can't we get this demon out? And Jesus says, some only come out by prayer, and then the subnote, the footnote says, and fasting. Because there's this alignment, there's this power, there's this grace that gets poured out through this fasting and prayer. It's powerful when you bring those together. And so what's gonna happen is that's exactly what we're doing, fasting and praying and then ascending. When we launch the church, we'll be seven years old in March. We launched the church with a vision to plant churches. And through our history, we've been helping church plants. We've been supporting a church plant in Africa. We support church plants in Toronto, Canada. We're supporting a church plant and helping a church plant in Hazlitt. And, and I'm meeting with church planters and we're connected with all these church plants. But for the first time in our history as the creek, we're stepping out in the vision that God has put for us as a church and we're launching a church this year out of the creek and, and we're launching Trinity, Pastor Trinity, this year. And so what happens is when we worship together, when we pray together, when we fast together, God will say, set apart, set apart. 
And we've known for years that God had a calling on Trinity's life to plant a church, and this is the time that the Holy Spirit has said to do it. And this, is, this has been a nine-month process with Trinity Nine, with Cindy, and this, this whole, whole deal. We, we have prayed, we have fasted, the Holy Spirit has given revelation, he's given us the call, and now is the time for this to happen. And so we're launching Trinity um, to reach more people with the gospel. That's what our mission is. We want to see God get more glory by more lives changed by the, by the message of Jesus. And what's going to happen is in the next several weeks, Trinity and Cindy are going to be launching in Cleburne, Texas to be able to get more people, more glory to God through people hearing the gospel by loving people, making Jesus clear, and, and taking the DNA and everything that we've been working on for the last six years. And God says, now it's time to do it again. Because what I believe is the church becomes more effective when we get churches in the communities. So instead of being one place where we try to get everybody in the Metroplex to drive to, man, how do we get churches in these communities? Because what I know is that there's people in Cleveland right now that have a hunger and a thirst and God has called Trinity and Cindy there. And when they step in and they start preaching, they set up and we're, we're, we're in this together, guys. This is like launching one of our kids. We're sending you to college, Trinity. You better call your mama, okay? <laughs> ah, thank you for clapping. That was a good emotional break. And it also shows you that you're loved. Um, we're doing this because we love Trinity, we love Jesus, we love the kingdom, and this is a kingdom move. And so we're gonna be supporting this, we can do this, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm asking you to stay faithful in your generosity, because um, I get more excited about building or uh, launching churches and I do building buildings, and here's the crazy thing, we're doing both this year. I love how God just says, hey, it's not one or the other. You know, I mean, I can remember praying, God, do you want us to plant a church or build this phase? yes. No, God, which is it? You want us to plant the church or build this face? Yes. I mean, never, hardly ever do I get that definitive of a yes from God. You know, sometimes it's like, well, hold on, or wait and see, or let, you know, we've got something to talk about. God, do you want us to plant the church or do you want us to build this face? Yes. And God says, with me, all things are possible. God's about growing the kingdom. And as he grows his kingdom, then he gets more glory. And so that's, that's what we're focusing on. That's what we're doing. And I'm excited about this. I'm also sad because Trinity and I, have, we, we've gotten a walk together on staff and man, we've goofed off. We've, we've, I mean, we've, we've toiled through some ministry. And so that, that saddens me you know, in the sending with Paul and Barnabas. I mean, there's sadness, but let me tell you what I'm excited about. Every time Paul was on a missionary journey, you know what happened? Churches got planted. Trinity is planting a church out of the creek with the intention of planting more churches. Not only did churches get planted, but here's the beautiful thing. People got saved. Right now, there are people in Cleburne that are sitting in hopelessness and despair and bondage and wondering, has God given up on me? And Trinity and Cindy are moving in there to say, God hasn't forgotten about you. God loves you, and God desires a relationship with you. And they're gonna get to see the goodness of God and lives changed by that message. And I'm excited about it. I'm proud of you, Trinity. I'm honored to walk with you. I love you very much. And we as a church, we're supporting you. So we've got a lot of work to do. Um, 
We've been working on this for months. I know I just pulled the rug out from under you. Let me tell you, some of you are thinking, so what, what does that mean here? Um, we've been working on this, so we, here's what this transition time looks like. Trinity's gonna start to transition so he can spend more time focusing on getting ministry up and running, and we, we've been putting together a lot of plans and a lot of things, and so he's gonna spend more time transitioning now to get into the city, get to know the city. If you know people in Cleburne, you need to hook a brother up um, or people around there, so let them know. Um, also, uh, what we've done in preparation for this day, this transition, is uh, in June, we hired Roberta to come in to help us in the community ministry. And if you haven't met Roberta yet, let me just say this to you. Fill out a guest card because we're glad it's your first time at the creek, okay? Um, if you haven't gotten to know her, um, I don't know where you've been hiding, um, but she, she has this goal of getting you in community, getting you in those connections and relationships. So she came in to work alongside Trinity to learn that, build that up, and so that's transitioning to her last week. Some of y'all weren't here last week. Some of y'all were, I was on the meat hangover today. I think, never mind, I'm not gonna say that. I'm getting hungry, so I might say something stupid, okay? But uh, last week we announced that um, the week after Christmas we were able to extend an offer and we've hired a full-time youth pastor um, and he's starting on January 16th. And so we're, we're working staff transitions to make sure ministry here is supported and strong. And then we're also being able to do this to where we can support Trinity and Cindy um, financially and be able to get them set up in Cleburne um, so they're not having to worry about a lot of things. And so I'm excited that we get to do this as a church. This is a value for us as a church. This is important for us as a church in the kingdom. It's not about building our kingdom. It's building the kingdom. And I believe God honors that. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. And I'm proud of you. And Trinity, we, we haven't set yet when um, their last Sunday is going to be, but we're going to do just what Acts 13 says. We're gonna pray over them. We're gonna anoint them. And we're gonna send them with blessing and with joy because we know that lives are gonna be changed. And then Trinity has a mandate. See, here's what we're doing. Because we're helping to fund it, we're like, you have to come back. You have to come back and tell us what's going on, okay? This is home. You got to come and tell us so we can tell the family what's going on. So don't forget that. We'll come find you. I know how to get to you. So I'm, I'm excited. Thank you for being focused on the heart of God and not just growing a building, but growing the kingdom. I love you guys very much. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and we thank you for your goodness, your grace. We thank you for calling us to follow you, Jesus. And I pray that as we do... We just experience more of your goodness, more of your grace, more of your life, and more of your hope. And God, as we start our fast tomorrow, we humble ourselves before you and ask you to feed our spirit. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds so that we can hear from you, so that we can pursue what you want us to do in this year. God, draw us to repentance there's areas in our life where we are short of your glory. I pray that you call us to repentance so that your grace can be poured out on us. Give us wisdom and give us guidance. Father, we pray for wisdom and guidance over Trinity and Cindy. We know how difficult it is to plant a church. The work that's involved, the financial resources involved, all of the connections that come together that you orchestrate. So I'm praying for those connections. I'm praying for you to do this with your glory, your power, your will. 
And I thank you that through this, lives are going to be changed, that people are going to be transformed by the message of Jesus. Thank you for your vision, God, to use us to grow your kingdom. We love you. We praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.